Good morning. It's a little chilly outside, but it's very warm in here. Amen? Amen. It is such a blessing to be able to gather together as God's family here in this precious place. Or if you are online joining us, you are here too. And we are glad that you're here. If you're new today, know that we are uh, glad you're here and you're always welcome here. We are a, a church that is committed to sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. This is the last Sunday in our series on God's grace. And we're going to review a little bit. Andy kind of did in his, in his prayer a little bit for us already, but we're going to review again just a little bit. Grace is a gift. It's a gift from God. None of us deserve it, and none of us can earn it. It is a gift from our Heavenly Father. We can only receive it or refuse it. God in Christ offers us this gift of a relationship that includes salvation, reconciliation, and eternal life. Now, we experience God's grace differently at various stages of our spiritual journey, and we've described those different ways that we experience his grace with different words. Prevenient, sometimes referred to as preventing, justifying, and sanctifying. Prevenient grace, we might remember, was God's work, God's spirit at work in us from the moment of our conception revealing God to us and wooing us towards a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Justifying grace is when we accept by faith that Jesus Christ, God's one and only begotten Son, died for us, for you and for me, that we might be saved from God's just and holy wrath through faith in the finished work of the cross. I'm reminded of that old gospel hymn, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Today, we're going to be looking at that final aspect of God's amazing grace. You know, they're all exciting in their own way. But to me, this is the one that is the most exciting because it's where we are right now, regardless of where we are on a journey. This is where we are. We're all in the place where we can receive God's sanctifying grace. And that's the grace that allows us to share in the life and love of our God towards his creation. Our scripture for today is from the book of Romans. If you will please turn with me to Romans 6, verses 18 to 23, and hear the word of God. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now, 
that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear most gracious God, we ask that you come and pour out your Holy Spirit on us today. On each heart open, open our eyes, open our ears, that we may see and hear a message from you today, Lord. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Now, our scripture today tells us we have been set free. Free from the effects of sin, we've been forgiven. And free from the power of sin, we can choose to live differently. We can say no to the ways of the world, and we can say yes to living a self-controlled, godly life that gives glory to God. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, our lives can bring glory to God. We can follow in the footsteps of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Many years ago, God brought to my attention the scripture from Matthew 13, verses 10 to 15, and it's become one of my very favorite scriptures. It's where the disciples ask Jesus why he speaks to people in parables. And Jesus responds, Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear. Or understand. He continues in verses 14 and 15 by saying, In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. In a way, this is what sanctifying grace is all about, turning and being healed. As we turn our focus to God, we learn to see with his vision, to hear his words speaking to our heart, And we experience his healing mercies personally. And we can also send those healing mercies on to others. Jesus tells us in John 10.10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We need to always remember that there is a battle going on. And it is a battle for our heart. The thief shoots all kinds of arrows to wound us and to keep us from seeing who we really are. He works really hard to harden our hearts. God's grace is what enables us to have life to the full. Just as our physical birth begins the process of our growth toward maturity, So our spiritual birth, that justifying grace, when we are converted, when we 
are saved, when we are born again, that begins the process, begins the process of our spiritual growth toward maturity and sanctification. You know, some people think, well, all I got to do is be saved. No, (laughs) that begins the process. To be sanctified actually means to be made holy. It means to be made clean and pure, to be set apart for holy purposes. Deuteronomy 14.2 tells us, For you are a people holy to the Lord our God. Out of all the people on the face of the earth, the the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. You are a treasured possession of God. This scripture tells us not only how very important we are to God, but also how he sees us as being set apart for holy purposes, for his purposes. Sanctifying grace is the process of opening ourselves up to the work of the Holy Spirit in and through us. It's the Holy Spirit that changes our human love, which can often be very fickle, into godly love and moves us toward perfection and wholeness. It's God's sanctifying grace that supplies a divine energy that transforms our heart and our life and restores our relationship not only with God, but with others in our life. As we realize the depth of God's love for us and we recognize his grace to make a fresh start day by day, sometimes hour by hour, often minute by minute, we begin to change our ways. In other words, it is God's grace, his love that disciplines us. Paul writes in Romans eight twelve to 14, telling us, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live by it. For if we live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit, if by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. As we move forward in our lives from the point of our conversion, we're to rely on the Holy Spirit to help us to realize who we are and whose we are and to act accordingly. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of God within us, within all believers, helping us to live as God wants and to build Christ's church on earth by faith, We begin to hear his Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts, teaching us, convicting us of our sin where we fall short of how God wants us to live with others, reminding us of Christ's words, guiding us into truth, and leading us to bring glory to God. The more I focus on Christ, the more I see things about myself that need to change. Now, I'm not talking about self-condemnation. This is not me comparing myself to somebody else and beating myself up. It's a gentle nudging. 
it's almost like a veil is being lifted from my eyes and there's an awareness of an area where I need or really where I want to grow. I've commented on more than one occasion that it felt like God was bringing people and situations into my life that were reflecting back to me things I needed to see about myself. Anyone else ever had that experience? Sometimes these revelations can be very positive and affirming, negating some of the lies that we may have believed from the past. But other times, these revelations have shown me some not-so-pretty things about myself, things that I hadn't realized before. Shortly after, I started to see more clearly, which was, by the way, After God gave me that Matthew scripture, I found an antique mirror on the side of the road, the dirt road where we live in front of our house. Now, I have no explanation for how it got there or why it was there. At first, I thought maybe that it had fallen off of someone's truck when they were moving. But it would have been smashed or the glass would have been broken, which it was not. And it was obvious that it was an antique mirror. I mean, things about this long and about this high. And it was just sitting up against the the bank with the back of it to to our driveway. And sometimes people drop things off a dirt road. If you've ever lived on a dirt road, they think that that's a dump. They can just, there's, there's sometimes sofas and all kinds of things. But I had pulled out of my driveway and I thought, eh, Somebody's dumped something again. And then I went back and I, and I went to pick it up because I thought, you know, the, the county comes. But this was something I could put in my van. So I picked it up and I saw it was a mirror. And it was obvious that it had been something that someone was working on because there was wood putty on the, the wooden parts of, the, uh, of the, the frame. And there was blue tape along the mirror. So it looked like somebody had just put in a brand new mirror. The only thing that I've ever been able to come up with is that somebody decided that it just wasn't worth the effort required to restore it, so they dumped it. The mirror, though, has become for me a reminder not only that God is constantly revealing things to us if we only have the eyes to see, but also that these revelations, sometimes when we're looking at somebody else and we're making those judgments that we do sometimes, it might be that that person's showing you something about yourself. I know that's been the case with me. So these revelations, though, help us to grow in Christ-likeness. And thank heavens that God never gives up on us. Amen? Sanctifying grace is that grace that imparts to us new life. It imparts new light where we can see things more clearly. It imparts a new strength to us and a new heart. With justifying grace, the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us. Imputed. This means that God says we're not guilty because of all that Christ did for us on the cross. Sanctifying grace moves us from simply being covered with Christ's righteousness to actually receiving the qualities of righteousness ourselves. It's kind of like a skin graft. 
You have a burned or an injured area. And imputed righteousness is that healthy skin that covers the injury. Jesus' blood covering our sins. But as healing occurs and the graft takes, that injured area is restored to wholeness. And so it is with us. Because we live in a fallen world, we experience injuries and pain. Our hearts are wounded. But Jesus wants to heal our hearts and restore, restore our souls. Psalm 147.3 states, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Through God's sanctifying grace, True healing occurs. We are restored to wholeness. And we develop the characteristics of Christ. Imparted righteousness. Conversion is a process. Remember, it doesn't stop once you've said yes to Jesus, when you become saved. It is a process. It happens once with a decision, but not all at once. It requires our ongoing willingness and openness to God working in our life. It's a lifelong process of dying to what is evil and rising to what is good and true. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit helps us to get in touch with the fact that with our conversion, we're not only forgiven, But we're also changed. We are changed. We don't always realize that, folks. But we're healed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Years ago, I read a book by Larry Crabb entitled Shattered Dreams. And in it, he describes our new life in Christ as having four different distinct elements. He says, we have a new purity. We're now clean even if we roll in the mud. The dirt's on us, but the purity of God's life is in us. We have a new identity. We're no longer defined by our problems or our sins or our education, or our talents, or our wounds. We are identified as Christians, Christ's ones. We've been given a new appetite. Our deepest and potentially strongest desire is for God to know him, to enjoy him, to obey him, and to reveal him to others. With this, Crabb suggests that becoming like Christ is all about identifying, nourishing, and freely indulging our appetite for holiness. Releasing to God the blocks or the obstacles, those things that get in the way of us realizing that he is with us here, now, every moment of our life. And last but certainly not least, we have a new power. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has moved into our hearts, and our hearts have become his home. By disciplining disciplining ourselves to listen to him, 
to his voice speaking to our hearts, we have the power to live out a new life of purity, identity, and appetite. As we listen to the Holy Spirit, we begin to develop the qualities that are known as the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Sanctifying grace is often referred to as the doctrine of the more. God has more power, more love, more peace, and more joy in store for each and every one of us. Every time I reflect on sanctifying grace, I realize more and more his continued work in my own life. I had the laugh recently when I went to him in prayer and said, Lord, please guide me. I don't think this message is quite finished yet. And then it hit me. Duh. This is sanctifying grace. It's all about God continuing to work in our lives. His continuing refining of us. He's continuing to restore our hearts so that we can reflect his glory wherever we are, in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. As we come to know, truly know God, and to experience his loving grace, our character is changed. You know, it's that mystery of how God works. You know, we go to him in prayer, we come to worship, we study his word, and we can't tell you how those things change our hearts but they do. God's Spirit will help us to identify our own unique gifts, which we can use in our living out of the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. The Great Commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And the Great Commission to go and make disciples. Of all nations. In John 15, 4 to 5, Jesus tells us that a life in grace is as natural as a life of a branch connected to a healthy vine. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He continues in verses 9 to 13 saying, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remained in his love. You see, there's a little bit of a combination there. I've obeyed my Father's commands and remained in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. 
And then Jesus ends this with verse 17, telling us, this is my command, love each other. We learn to abide in Christ, like that vine that is connected. It is that union with Jesus that enables us to do anything. Through worship and prayer, we become rooted and grounded in his love. And we become intimately connected to him. Christ's word abides in us through our study. We give our minds to God and we grow in the mind of Christ. And we respond. We bear much fruit for God's glory by our works of mercy. Providing food, water, and clothing to those less fortunate. And by our works of justice as expressed by Jesus in Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from, for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed. Again, we do not earn or deserve God's love. We simply open our hearts and receive it. Romans 5, 5 says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that he has given to us. Hear that again. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. It's there, folks. It's been poured in. Sanctifying grace is that divine energy that transforms our heart and our life. It restores us. It imparts righteousness to us. It perfects us. And it equips us. A life perfected by grace is a life of love. Out of our gratitude for having received God's abundant grace, we then seek to participate fully in his mission in the world, living our lives so that his love shines through us wherever we go and whatever we do. Now, God's love has three important characteristics that we should never forget. We need to embrace these things, folks. Sometimes it calls us to take the initiative to move first. Sometimes it calls us to leave our comfort zone and do something different. To step out in faith. And sometimes it calls us to make sacrifices. God wants a relationship with us even more than we want a relationship with him. His role in sanctifying grace is to fill us with his Holy Spirit and fire are you ready to accept your role in the relationship? Are you ready to open your heart so you can begin to see with the eyes of your heart and walk in the spirit of Christ with him day by day? In closing, I'd le like to leave you with the words of Paul from 1 Thessalonians five sixteen to 24. Be joyful always. Pray continually. 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. You might note that while he will do it, we still have things we need to do. Be joyful, pray, give thanks. It is a relationship after all, and we have to be available. This is God's will for us. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear most gracious God, we just, uh, Lord, we come to you and we ask that you just pour out your Holy Spirit. We know you already have. Scripture tells us it's in our heart. We just need to um, appropriate it. We need to acknowledge that it's there and move on the fact that it's there. Lord, we, um, we join with you. May we always join with you. Not go before you, not go after you, but join with you in each day of our life, in whatever we're doing, that our lives may be, be and bring glory to you. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.